Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a one trillion dollar tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk/greattalent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. This episode of Off Air with Jane and Fee is brought to you by British Heart Foundation. British Heart Foundation have estimated that up to 7.6 million people are living with heart and circulatory diseases in the UK. And there is something we can all do to help fund life-saving research. And don't worry, Fee, we don't all need to run marathons to fundraise today. Over 50% of their research is funded by gifts in wills. Now, these are really vital in supporting life-saving research. It's such a remarkably positive thing we can all do and definitely something to consider if you are writing your will or thinking of updating it. With a simple act, you can support future scientific breakthroughs that could help save and improve millions of lives. British Heart Foundation offers a free will guide and free will writing services too, helping to make the process as easy as possible. To download your free will guide today and help British Heart Foundation fund life-saving research, search BHF Wills. We're going, we're going. Do you know what, Jane Mulcairns? I actually feel like I've worked today. Do you ever get those days? Once or twice a month, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think this is my annual, oh, I've really worked today. Day. What was the heavy lifting today? Heavy lifting, well, oh, well, I had to come in early to do something, then I had to do what, something before else. Before lunchtime? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you're only here because Fee's on half term. Probably never again, no. That really stung. <laughs> we'll get someone else in for tomorrow. Um, yes, I did come in before lunch. I had lunch at my desk. It's my favourite baguette at the moment. We all have phases. What's the favourite baguette at the moment? All oh, the ham and uh, is it grev cheese? Oh, the, the one from the Pratt? Yeah, mm. it's a white baguette. I think it's full of goodness. Oh, definitely. <laughs> nice amount of mustard. Um, I, we, our, uh, what? Our <laughs> guests today, actually my guests, because Jay Mulcairns wasn't allowed in the room, are the hairy bikers, uh, Cy King and Dave Myers. And uh, I think people will really enjoy hearing from them because they are those sort of avuncular chaps who glide around the world on their bikes talking food and you want to think that they are as nice as they seem and look, having spent 25 minutes with them this afternoon they genuinely did seem really nice and importantly they are properly they are mates they really love each other don't yeah they? No, they do yeah. and actually i thought that was rather nice yeah we yeah. we interviewed them for the times mag last it's, year or earlier this year yeah and the, 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 it was andrew billen was so touched by their genuine rapport mm. and you know, one of them's been very ill, and the other, Dave, the, Dave and, and Cy was genuinely beside well, himself. We talk about that yeah. in the interview, so um, I look forward to it. No, I think, I think, um, what do you, I keep saying we? The royal we. It is the royal we. This is this Irish royalty thing seeping through my veins. I just can't stop it. It just keeps coming out. Did you wear a crown for it? I did. I always keep my crown on. When Fee's not here, I, I get my crown on. Uh, shall we just go straight a in? Straight, a shamrock crown. Um, can we just go straight into the emails on sexuality? Yes. Because, um, those, We've got lots. They, we have got a lot. And um, here's one. Let's just start with Susan, who says... Yeah. I just don't accept your assumption that we could all swing both ways if we gave it a chance. <laughs> I mean, um, 
that wasn't quite what we said, was it? Well, I mean... I suppose perhaps it was. Perhaps it was. Let me just read out her email. I'm 66, she says. I've been heterosexual all my life. I like women and unfortunately have found that I appear to attract lesbian attention despite not being gay. In my 20s, a very good friend who was bisexual fell in love with me and I gave it a try in order to oblige her. But I couldn't summon a scintilla of enthusiasm. Excellent use of scintilla. I think so. Mm. Uh, I'm perfectly happy, she says, with the anatomy of females, but I don't find them sexually attractive. Right, OK. In particular because of the way they smell, which has always played a key role in sexual attraction for me. Would you say to all homosexual men that they could easily sleep with women if they were more open to the possibility? I think not. Uh, That's quite a good point. At the risk of making myself out to be... Inflame everyone. More of, you know, a very social person that you think I am. I'm just not, I'm not saying anything. I'm just going to say I have had flings with men who identify as gay. There we are. Um, so That's you told, Susan. I, I, I mean, each person is different. Uh, I do have some gay male friends who I think don't find women in any way sexually attractive, but I also know some gay men who do find themselves mm. fancying women. Because at the end of the day, Jane, it's people. It's people. Um, can we go in? There are so many good emails on this subject. Yeah, and I really want to say thank you to everyone who's written in about it, actually, because there is a plethora of mm. opinion and experience here, which is, I mean, which is absolutely apt because I think everybody does feel differently. Mm. Um, I would like to start with this email who says... Um, it's from any actually this is a double topic email okay. uh, so this is from a correspondent in Sydney um, who starts off talking about jet lag and says he agrees with me it is possible to manage the flight to Australia if you can manage it the right way and he he has some boring tips at the end he says which I don't find boring it's about getting onto local time and sleeping at the right times I find that boring um, okay so I anyway don't, I don't travel you so don't travel interested. you're not going to Australia but he wants to say on to dating women yeah this is a male correspondent yeah. by the way my wife and I separated two years ago after nearly 30 years together and she has opened up her dating horizons recently to include other women She's met two and they didn't quite work out, but her attitude is why not? She's in her late 50s and I think it's great that she still has a sense of adventure. We have a great relationship still, but not enough for her to tell me that some of these women might give her what she needs that I didn't, which I am guessing is part of it. This is a really interesting bit from a male correspondent. I think men might just get more and more disappointing as we get older. I'm certainly bored by all male company in my own peer group. Men just seem to give up or like really boring things. He says, I also think Jane G's point about women talking more and having more intimacy from talking is material. And there's the obvious that another woman might know your body pretty well to ensure you have a great sexual experience. Would I date another man? I don't think so. I can't see a romantic relationship with another man in my future, but sex, possibly. Had experience in my youth and men are definitely good if you're looking for no strings attached sex. That is something most men can do very easily. In brackets, he says, see what you've done now. Middle England is grabbing for its pearls. <laughs> well. Sexuality is fluid, says our correspondent, as is attraction. And life is about experiences. Never say never. Well, I mean, just to go back to your point, thank you to everybody who's really thought about yeah. this and actually been incredibly open. about Really open. Their it's own. brilliant. Yeah, it's fascinating. This is from M. I've listened with interest to the experiences related over the last couple of days. I do agree with the concept of a spectrum and have no doubt that people can be at many different points along it. However, I disagree with Jane G's comment 
that there can't be anyone who is truly 100% anything. I would think of myself as 100% heterosexual. It's not a boast and it's not anything I've ever said out loud, partly because it's not a conversation that's come up and partly because I'd be wary of sounding like I was saying that heterosexuality is, quotes, right and like I was trying to cast any aspersions on homosexuality. But it's simply the case I've never felt any attraction to men and I just can't imagine that ever changing. For some context, I am in no way a manly man. Actually, I'm quite a sensitive introvert and I abhor hyper-masculinity. I'm just a very boringly conventional 40-year-old married heterosexual. Is there a gender divide here, he says. I can't speak in any way for all men and it's not a subject I think most men would spend much time discussing. Well, ain't that the truth? <laughs> because can you yeah. imagine? Six blokes are sitting around a table in a pub and they start talking about they're all married, say, or in long-term relationships with women. Sleep with a man. Yeah, I, I can't imagine happen. Alistair and Rory discussing it on their podcast. Can you? They haven't so far. <laughs> but the night is young. The night is young. Um, I'd like to read this one out again. It, it, you know, it, they're all just wildly divergent, which I really love. Um, it's another anonymous one. Um, Dear Jane and Jane, fascinating hearing your ponderings this week as I recently started to allow, in inverted commas, myself to step into the world of online dating in the section called Women Looking for Women. I say allow as I too have only had relationships with men, but at the age of 55 feel it's a side of me that's been oppressed. The interesting thing is that there are dozens of women's profiles just like mine. Women who have teenage children or young adults moving away from the nest. I know if I don't explore this side of me now, and I'm being totally honest with everyone, it is an exploration, not a one-way ticket, I will regret it for the rest of my life. I am terrified and excited in equal measure, but trying hard to just shake off my own and my generation's self-inflicted chains. I honestly believe every human being has the freedom to make a choice, and there is only at the end of the day one way to find out if this new path is for me. Please wish me luck. Well, I absolutely, absolutely. do. Good luck. I just think that's it, really interesting that she's finding many, many women in the same position. And I, I do wonder... Are we back to that like biology thing? Yesterday. Yeah. Once yeah. you lose the biological imperative, mm. do you start thinking about what you might want emotionally rather than physically, rather than mm. reproductively? Mm. Is it that societal norms and values have shifted so you're trying things that you might have felt judged about before I, th I think it's probably all of the above I think uh, is there a grain of truth in our male correspondent suggestion that men can can though not necessarily get a little bit entrenched in hobbyville golf well, I'm, I'm saying it. Golf, model railways. Um, there, well, there are there are people, uh, men, who who do become, and they're very at home in these environments. And by the way, good luck to them because nothing wrong with a hobby. Um, but it can be all consuming for them, yeah. and might not always leave time for a female partner. And actually, women, because of their often because of kids and work and other caring responsibilities, haven't had time to get too embroiled in a passion that's time-consuming. Yeah, how many women do you know who play golf? Uh, well, I've had some lessons. Have you? Yes, indeed. Oh, look at you uh, with a hobby. <laughs> you see, I'm free to pursue, but I, I couldn't because because I have to come in before lunch sometimes, <laughs> Jane. I haven't been able to focus and I've got Pilates on a Friday. I can't believe this job holds you back from your golf. <laughs> You'd be taking on Tiger Woods if it were only, if it were only for, not for Times Radio. It's terrible, isn't it? Uh, hello to Paula, who says, I just want to share the views of your listener yesterday who's gay and hurt 
and the hurt that can arise from women trying us out if dating women isn't working. As much as I admire your initial listener who brought up this subject, and I'm pleased she's found a real soulmate, it can be soul-destroying when you are the experiment. Yeah, I'm sure. I totally get this. The amount of women who on a drunken night out have held my hand, flirted or rubbed their hand or foot up my legs, sometimes in front of male partners, and put it down to being drunk or mucking about has been quite staggering and confusing. I grew up in the 80s and realised when my girl crushes in 82, when I was 16, were far outweighing my one boy crush, that I was going to have a tough time ahead of me. There were no role models and it was a very scary place to realise you were different. I really can't imagine now at 57 going out with men because women can be exhausting. They are still ultimately worth it. <laughs> okay, I would love a time when it doesn't matter, as Jane M mentioned, but I'm also quite mindful how important sexuality is and I'm very proud of who I am. Paula also makes the generous offer that if I ever want to ride on a lavender bus, I, I'm, I need to get this right. Has <laughs> it made you a little bit nervous? <laughs> Saying that, if Jane Garvey ever wants a ride on a lavender bus... Please let me take you for a spin. Well, thanks very much, Paula. Uh, please carry on being the best thing on my evening walk, she says. Well, I get my Freedom Pass next year. You so, can make it to so Paula's I, neck of the woods. Presumably the lavender bus will be <laughs> free 24-7. I can't wait. No, very generous of you, Paula. Thank you. Um, can I just move on slightly from sexuality? Well, it, actually, it's related. Yeah, As you segued yesterday, <clears throat> uh, Nicola says she loved the discussion with Cat uh, yesterday. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, a highly intelligent woman, she says. What I wondered was, did Cat remind anyone else of Elizabeth Zott? Now, if you don't know who Elizabeth Zott yeah. is, she's the protagonist in Lessons in Chemistry. I, I, I don't know why, but I didn't like that. Do you know what? I got three quarters of the way through, yeah, Jane, I, and I put it down, but that's because I lack commitment in most things. Mm. Um, but it's now been made into a television show as mm. well um, with Brie Larson, I think, mm. um, which looks wonderful. And I have to say, I did like the character as Elizabeth Zott. It just went on a bit. Anyway, she said, I love scientists and their no-nonsense way of answering questions that the rest of us might approach with a hint of a giggle, which I agree with. She was very straightforward in her talk about male breastfeeding. Okay, yes. Kat Bohannon was really interesting. Um, if we had more time we probably could have done four or five hours of conversation with her about evolution and female anatomy and it was just really riveting um nicola i'm glad you enjoyed it and i'm going to go back to lessons in chemistry and try to enjoy it i only mm. got about 30 pages in oh yeah you should so, try a bit more yeah i know fee from insta i noticed that she's really doing well with boy swallows universe by Show trent off. dalton which Show is off. our book club choice for this month so that's made me realize that uh, i've got to make more of an effort with that. I feel the pressure. I do feel the pressure. I should say Dolly Alderton is on the programme next week. She has a new book out. I'm reading it now and this is very easy to read and I mean that as a real compliment because who doesn't want to sink into bed at night and read a book like Dolly's new one which is called Good, Good Material. It's about a comedian. She's a great writer. I just find her incredibly, uh, well, companionable is something I only ever pull out of my word locker when I really like something, Aww. and that you know, that's what Dolly is. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's a wonderful writer. Uh, let's, after all the smut of sexuality, let's talk dahlias. <laughs> um, this is another Jane, but this one is in Walton on Thames. So I think we can all agree, Jane, that this is a really posh one. Thank you for bothering to listen. Honestly, 
Um, it finally arrived today, the moment when I had to email you, when Jane Garvey was talking about the fact she didn't know what a dahlia looked like prior to a visit to a National Trust property. We did let ourselves down a bit I with really, that, didn't I'm, we? I'm, I'm Sorry ashamed. About that. Uh, dahlias have been a part of my life, says this Jane, since the day I was born. My dad grew and exhibited dahlias for nearly 70 years and my whole childhood was coloured by this flamboyant flower. There were allocated times throughout the year for planting, caning, mulching with straw and covering with plastic sheets, not to mention the endless battles with earwigs. September was show season and it was a sacred time. My dad, accompanied by my long-suffering mother, you see what I mean about middle-aged elderly (laughs) men and their hobbies, travelled the country in specially adapted vans and cars to stand in village halls and marquees with like-minded souls. His friends went further and developed new varieties named after their children. So a shout out to Lady Linda and Master Alan if they're listening. I grew up and the flower's influence on my life waned. However, when I gave birth to my first son in September, mum and dad were at the Northern National Show in Harrogate. Uh, My father died four years ago when my lovely mum joined him this year. It was time to sort out the family home. There were boxes of National Dahlia Society medals and annuals, trophies from assorted shows, plus thousands of catalogue photos of every stage of the growing process. I have no doubts about my dad's love for us and dedication to his family. He thought the world of us, but if I was to pinpoint the true passion of his life, it would be the Dahlia. Jane, that is, that is lovely. That is absolutely lovely, and I'm sorry to hear about your mum and your dad, um, but... What a wonderful thing. I mean, I'm not in any way demeaning hobbies. And I, I, by the way, I'm a very regular buyer of flowers because I just think flowers in a home just absolutely make it. Well, I think gardening and flowers yeah, are I wish one I, of those hobbies that oh, give fantastic. other people joy as well. Oh, exactly. I just I wish I could do it. Kind of, oh, me too. I'm yeah. useless. My dad's a great grower. And it's embarrassing. Oh, I awesome. can't do it at all. I can barely pick up my own slugs. I, I don't like slugs. Uh, oh, Jane, me. thank you for that. Jane of Fee at times.radio, if you've got something to add to our beautiful sub. You've got something there? Yes, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, yeah. Um, this is a complete left turn from yeah. Dahlia's. Um, this is from Beth, who says um, she's writing to tell us about her train journey home from Scotland and the joy of meeting perfect strangers. Very busy trains force people together, which in turn opens up conversations one would never ordinarily have, she says. Mm. You meet the most extraordinary people and have discussions on topics that just don't happen at home when organising the bin schedule and the latest supermarket shop. Uh, She tells the story about sitting next to a slightly older woman who was dashing back to relieve her sister for caring for a 90-year-old mother. This woman was an anthropologist who'd lived all over the Middle East, including Beirut in the early 1970s, and had retrained as a psychotherapist and become a counsellor for those who'd been captured and tortured as a result of war and also become a prolific writer. Over the next five hours... That's five hours. Yeah, I mean, that's a quick one from Scotland. Yep. As LNER took us from the King's Cross, uh, King's Cross to Waverley, we covered the interpretation of early Christian writing, her experience of counselling, her early life growing up in 1960s Glasgow, and the meaning of prayer, the spread of individual light in a dark world, and her love of the Rubaliyat of Omar Khayyam. I've probably butchered that. Sorry. No, you've had a good um, go. When the journey ended, I felt so rewarded and enriched by the experience. I wondered what similar experiences you or your listeners may have had in encountering complete yet somehow familiar strangers on a journey. And now I love that email because I do think I certainly have met friends, like genuinely made friends with people I've met on train journeys and plane journeys. And I think the more that 
the problem is, I think, that the tyranny of phones and modern technology means that people don't put them down and look up and have a conversation because you do meet the most fascinating people. And it's sort of that suspension of normal life mm. when you're on a plane or a train and there's nothing to do, nowhere to go, but talk to this interesting person next mm. to you. And I just think it, it is one of the luxuries of travel. It's one of the great gifts. It is. I, I do I do meet people on the train backwards and forwards to Liverpool to see my parents. And I got talking to a woman a couple of weeks ago who was visiting her dad. And there's a lot of us of my generation who are backwards and forwards yeah. to the northwest of England. And it is lovely to check in with them, just to see how, you know, how often they go, what impact it has on them, the memories it brings back to them. It's it's, it's, I think I agree with you. I think it's really important. And that is a lovely email. Thank you for that, Beth. That's lovely. Beth has also sent us a picture of a reunion with her friends. Her um, army mates. Her army they? mates, yeah. yeah. Um, they look got, wild. Well, they, they, I, I'm assuming there's some sort of 1970s theme going on. Otherwise, well, yes, they've all there got was. a lot of excellent glitter and flares in their lives. Yes. No, they were having a really good reunion, yeah. I think. Um, they're underrated reunions. I've got quite a few. I've just had one. I've got another couple coming up before Christmas. When you get to my stage in life, there's a lot of reunions to have. Reunions to have. <laughs> uh, right, let's get on to the Hairy Bikers, who are Cy King and Dave Myers. Um, they've got a new cookbook out, but actually, although this interview does mention the book, it's not solely about that, believe me. It's called Ultimate Comfort Food. And part of it is dedicated to the hospital staff that helped Dave Myers during his recent battle with cancer. As he does say in this conversation, he certainly isn't through it yet. Um, they do say in the intro that if we're talking comfort food, it doesn't have to always be super high calorie, buttery pies and all that stodgy, splodgy stuff. Oh, absolutely. I mean, some people's comfort food is a salad. Yeah, well, um, it's not mine, but... Um, no, no, yeah. but, but, but you know, it's a salad with, like, there's one in there for smoked fish with beans and everything that's... It's got all the elements that make you want to, you know, keep on eating it. And also, we are a culturally diverse country. So, there's, you know, there's, in a winter's night, there's nothing more comforting than a curry. Mm. And there's a, we've got a lovely chicken yassa, which is a, a West African curry in there. It's a bit different, but it's tasty. And so we, we, we've tried to find food that... And we've spoken to a lot of people to find out food that's their peculiar comfort food or particular comfort food. And then we've taken the ideas and worked on the recipes. And there are some belters. Yeah. Um, there's Arroz al Horno. It was a, a, a Spanish nurse who was at the hospital. Yeah. It's, you know, like the Spaniards have the paella and they're so pedantic. You know, but, but the truth of it is the paella recipe varies from valley to valley, region to region. I mean, we filmed in a valley where it was cherry and rabbits. But this is like Ooh. a fridge clear-out paella right. with with belly pork and black pudding, but that all goes into the rice. It's delicious. It really is delicious. I'm not over that cherry and rabbits combo. I'm really not. Uh, Have you had that? Yeah, yeah, it's honestly, Jane, yeah. trust us, it's fun. Fantastic. We didn't it's cook it, fantastic. but they've been cooking it there since Moorish times, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah, yeah. There's oh, okay. a deep, deep history of it. It's mm. wonderful. It's a great, great dish. I love the way in the book there is um, there's something for the old Gen Zers. Um, I've got a couple of those, and there's unduja. Is it mm. unduja? I never know how to pronounce it. Unduja. Okay, sorry. Unduja. I'm also very uneasy about saying chipotle because I always say chipotle, and it's chipotle. Yes, I yeah. don't get it. But there's chipotle prawn tacos here as well. Nice. So, yeah, lots and lots of modern stuff that um, the youth will enjoy. Well, I think it's hilarious isn't it and that's the wonder about food because it, it is it is across the generations i mean they come in you know things come into people you know dishes come into people's radar but mm. chipotles have been used for 25,000 years yeah, in they? Mexico, they're, they're not know. new are they yeah, no, no no and none of this is new the taco isn't new it's, no. it's you know it's just 
it's just what 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 drifts into people's radars and they want to eat. Yeah. Um, mm. And it and it's great because we live, as Dave was saying, because we live in that multicultural society. It's fabulous that that we're able to to eat our way around the world and right across the country, which mm. is a celebration in itself. Just in case anybody listening doesn't know, who put you together to make TV magic? Oh, nobody, really. No. no, well, no how no did one. it happen? Well, we met in 1992. We both worked as film crew um, on a Catherine Cookson drama, The Gambling Man. Oh, yeah. So I was the second assistant director. You were in your 20s, weren't you then? I was, yeah. And I was in charge of makeup, hair and prosthetics on this drama. And um, we went to the pub. And you sold me a motorbike, and we've been kind of friends ever since. It was a dreadful motorbike. How dare you? And I'm still <laughs> owed, I still owed money. What, but, was the, uh, what was the series like? Oh, the series was fine. We was were crew, it? and it did very well. And did indeed, it, yeah. I stayed up in Newcastle. I did. You did quite a lot of the cooks and drums. Oh, but I stayed there for two years and did seven of them. Bread and, butter, yeah. and so it became kind of part of my home as well. Yeah. And we became good buddies, and we, we kept in touch after that. Obviously, as the years went on, mm. and. Um, and that was it, really. And I mean, when the television programme started, we wanted to we wanted to make our own programmes. And it was a bit like, if you write a book, write about what you know about. So we thought it was cooking, eating, riding motorbikes and chatting. Yeah, but it isn't usual for two people, two blokes on a film crew, to mm. end up going in front of the camera to make no. lots of successful uh, shows. And, uh, and to be fair, Jane, there was, there was a little bit of resistance in the industry for it, but we just kept plugging away at it. So we came up with the initial idea, but then it took us three years to get it off the ground. And everybody that we took it to, that we knew it and, and had mm. worked with, went, this has to be celebrity-led. And we mm. were going, well, why? Mm. Because we won't... You know, we want to do. Well, now you are celebrities, though, aren't you? Well, I don't. You, you see, no, no we never take that mantle on. I never well. see myself. It's weird. I, I, I've no, never I don't that. see that. But I could, uh, it could have been the title we gave it, which was pretty crappy, really. Our, our title for it was Motorcycles, Food and the Search for Nirvana, which wasn't exactly <laughs> snappy, was it? Really? Well, is that, that's BBC Two, though, isn't it? So they might have No, that was it. us. No, oh, that, that was, was you? Yeah, was no, just, we, we, have to, right. we have to take the responsibility for that right. one. That was just us punching, uh, you know, uh, pushing our ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was, by the way, that was side coughing, because you've got a cough you can't shift. Yeah, I, I have. A, as, like, most, of the, most of the UK has got it, I think, because everywhere I've Well, I didn't have it until you walked in. No, neither did I, Jane. I'm fighting it. I'm fighting not to have it if i get it tomorrow i'll know exactly who to blame yes yeah. um and i think the reason that people love your tv shows and they do is because it's as much about your friendship as it is about the food and then there's the bikes thrown in as well mm. and then some fantastic countryside mm. and with a focus on the north of of the country which i think appeals to a lot of people well, well, well over the past couple we i mean we've been four times around the world on a motorcycle and, yeah right and, okay. and um and 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 i think that the last series certainly has focused on on the UK, yeah, and, and, and the past couple of well, COVID didn't help, did it? Yeah, no, it is yeah. true. And um, but but you know, the whole thing about the hairy bikers is just to give, to, uh, is to give people story. Uh, we're, we're we're just conduits for other people's stories. You know, Dave and I can have the crack when we're cooking and doing all of that, and, mm. and the cookbooks and all that. But it's just a wonderful experience to listen to people's stories and give them a platform to tell it. Yeah, and it's, yeah. I love that. Yeah, where is the, be honest, the nastiest place you've ever been to? Oh, I don't know. Some of the places that are nasty in terms of rough and humble have had the most wonderful people. So it's hard to, yeah, you know, to say that. I think sometimes in mid-America, um, you know, some evenings in the strip malls, in the middle of... I think that's what I was getting nowhere. at, really. Uh, yeah, Grims, um, Grimsville. Yeah, it was pretty miserable. And mm. after, like, a week of, do we go to this homogenised 
takeaway or the next one? Or do we just go to a garage and get a six-pack of beer and a microwave burger? And Those literally that, were the that, That's pretty grim after a while. Until we got to Santa Fe, when you got the, the, the Mexican. Mexican food coming mm. in, mm. we started to live a little bit better. I, th- I, think, <clears throat> I think what was interesting about our trip ac- across the States mm. and, 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 and particularly uh, on the Route 66 series that we did, because... We did another series um, in the South called, called the Mississippi Adventure. Mm. Yeah. But the most recent one, as I say, was Route 66. And what was interesting about, historically, the heritage of Route 66, and particularly, you know, modern culture, there was a lot of depth and knowledge came from that route. But, but it kind of had been forgotten once the highway came in. So there was all these backwaters of, that were... And then all of a sudden it started to enter the American psyche again. The Route 66 was actually, her, in, in terms of culture, yeah. quite quite important and modern culture. But the food on the route, it, it was challenging to find great food. And yeah. when you did find it, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it is. But say, like, one night we we, you know, we went to a supermarket as a crew because we're all mates, we all get on really well. Um, we just thought we'd have a picnic outside the hotel because the hotel was pretty bad. Right. And, um, and we bought bread. We are making sandwiches, deli stuff. And on the bread on the back, there was a health warming, warning that this bread contains known carcinogens. And we thought, that's the daily bread. It's not a good place to live, you know. No. Um, Do you think most Americans know that their choices are actually limited? Or rather... Maybe in the industries have combined. Have, have, I don't know. Combined yes. in some way to make them bad. I, bad. You, you know what I'm getting at. I, I, I mm. do absolutely, absolutely, Jane. And I think that 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 it that it is. I personally, and I know Dave and mm. I've had. I, I, we found it pretty sinister. Mm. Um, that 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 because it is it 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 is corporate America eating its people. It's a very weird schism in terms of food and mm. and there is a there is a large movement to um to push back against that mm-hmm. but but by the very nature of of that movement and the constrictions that they're under given given the commerciality of it all it's expensive so not everybody can afford yeah. it so there's this mad schism of mm. of food culture in in the states if you're privileged enough to afford it, you can eat well. If you're not, you can't. And in Europe, um, the French re- hugely rate themselves, don't they, in terms mm-hmm. of their cuisine? And I actually think we probably have a more varied and in- well, we've got a more varied and interesting offering. We may yeah. not take advantage, but there's there's so <clears throat> many because of our mix of cultures and ethnicities. We, but I mean, look, within half a mile of where I'm sitting now, I could probably eat the world, couldn't I? Definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got a house in France. I've had it for seven years. And I find it, it's funny, not far from where we live, it's in the Loire, um, there's a, a monster, you know, chain of burger restaurants has opened right. and it's doing really well. Oh, that's soul destroying. Yeah, but an awful lot of the provincial French restaurants that, that used to be great to go into, they're not now. And I was reading an article last week and it said that something like only 4% of French restaurants now are cooking everything from scratch. The, the rest are kind of bought in and prepared food. And the... There's talk now of being a law that if it's bought in and prepared, they have to say so on the menu. Right. But if you try and get, like you say, you try and get Asian food in France, it's a watered-down version or it's it's the same, same as in Italy as well, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. And I mean, I think it, it, it's about the identity, isn't it? A nation's identity is given by its cuisine. Mm. And, and, and Italy, as, is, as France, is, is there, there are incredibly... Italy probably more so 
it's incredibly it's incredibly rural and incredibly um uh, regional yeah so you know they they they're not you know most italians are either from their area and then italian second mm-hmm. so italian mm-hmm. cuisine is 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 a generic term for 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 the for a depth of of cuisine that's remarkable and it's so focused mm. i remember cooking for um for a hunting party once that 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 um and uh everything went really really well and a and a stranieri cooking for a hunting party is a big thing yeah and i cooked and they went oh yeah everything was great other than the other than the uh, sage you should have used salvia lingua and i said sorry he said he should have used the long sage with the, with the, with, the, with the anchovy yeah. because you you can't you, you shouldn't be using the short sage. and i was like Right, right. Well, I think I've done very well if that's all you've picked up on then, so that's grand. <laughs> but you've took the advice and you'll only ever use that again, presumably uh, in the future. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, not. okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Cy King and Dave Myers, otherwise known as the Hairy Bikers. Their latest book is called Ultimate Comfort Food. And Dave, you were just saying that a place with great food is Argentina, which I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. Yeah, we ate really well there, didn't we? In yeah, Buenos we Aires, there's some amazing food. And yeah, the steaks and the beef was good. But with that long South Atlantic coastline going down to Patagonia, the seafood was great, like the spider crabs, king crabs, sea bass. It was stunning. The baking cultures from Spanish and Italian, the pasta culture there uh, was amazing. We ate very well. And down in Patagonia, those little Welsh tea shops, you know, it was just bonkers, you know. All... <laughs> it, it was amazing, wasn't it? Because you'd ride down the road yeah. and then there was like um, garage, maintenance, Juan Carlos Jones Evans. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, what? what you, you got Welsh male voice choirs right. and they could speak in Spanish and Welsh, but not English. And um, but <laughs> yeah. again, it was the food on route was good. Oh, was we, we ate well. Well, you mentioned Argentinian beef. Uh, headline in the Times today: Vegans and cost of living squash meat consumption. Apparently, it is true. UK meat consumption is at its lowest level since records began. Okay. Now, um, I know you have got you've got some veggie stuff in mm. here, some mm. vegan stuff as well. Actually, mm. um, does, does it concern you? I mean, are you worried about this, or is it well, just one of those things? I, I, Dave and I could talk about this a lot, Jen, because the thing is that we come from if you. If you remember, we come from a from a generation whereby the meat was expensive. Yes, yeah, and and we didn't have it every day. No, you and might not, have it on a Sunday, and we might have it on a Sunday, mm. and you may have something midweek, but it would normally be a but relative. It would be a cheap, whistle. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah. be something less. Yeah. And and th- there's just this 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 new um, uh, psychic schism of entitlement that that if I want to eat meat all the time, then I can, which is fine because that's what we've profited over the past 25, 30 years. Um, but it, it for for us, it's I, I've kind of still stayed with that with that culture that I was brought up in that mm. that if I buy meat, it has to be the best I can find, and it also has to be and I have to be able to afford it at the time. Yes. If not, I'll do something. I'll, I'll eat something else. Um, and 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 that's just the way I've been brought up. I'm not saying that I'm right or wrong. I'm just simply saying that that's my so you never give it up to it. I, um, 
no, no. I eat, I don't eat that much of it anyway. Um, but no, I don't think I would give it up. No, no. no. I like the Mediterranean way of, yeah. of meat and, mm. and the attitude. It's part of the dish. It's part of the meal, but it's not the whole. No, um, you know, and a little meat goes an awful long way. But I must admit, at this time of year, as it starts to get chillier, mm. and actually I feel this year we've waited quite a long time for it to get chillier, but it finally has, there is something comforting there about, is. about a red meat casserole. Yes. You oh, know, gosh, yes. A, you know, a slow, a slow-cooked yes. something or other yeah. that you can leave on all day and just come home to, and it's just bliss. Oh, it's heaven. Oh, it's heaven. Yeah, I've, I've, I've moved yeah. into a house recently that's got an old arga, right. and I've got used to it now, but for those slow-cooked meals... You know, Epic. put it in your bottom oven yeah, for yeah. like 12 hours. Yeah. And there's something about being that tin box. It's so nice, you know, yeah. things like your boeuf bourguignon or, or indeed the tray bakes as well. They're really good. And there's nothing better, is there, than those classic uh, British cuts of, of of meat because we butcher in a particular way here. Mm-hmm. So that feather blade and, and um, an oxtail just really slowly cooked with a load of onions and, and, and carrots and so celery and red wine. It's lamb shank, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah. That, exactly. Yeah. It's all of that mm. big mutton shank. Or, or with your pasta, make an oxtail ragu. Just cook the oxtail down for about eight hours with, um, you know, red wine, tomatoes and herbs. Then just strip the meat off and then mm. use the juices. Mm. Fantastic with pappardelle. Well, that does, that does sound good. Oh, yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, Dave, that there is a dish that was inspired by somebody who looked after you. Um, yes. Which, in case anybody doesn't know, you've, you've been through cancer. I'm still going through it. You're still it. going through yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and you've had, I believe, is it 30 rounds of chemotherapy? 39 at the last count on radiotherapy. I mean, OK. I mean, there will be many people listening who think, oh, you know, I really feel for him. I've been through that myself. Others, the rest of us who've been fortunate enough, yeah. I, I haven't been through it. First of all, how does it impact on your tastes and your appetite? Um, at first, it was dreadful, you know, because you, you fight it to keep your weight up and you have no appetite and obviously nausea. Um, but things like, I, I can't eat, I hate carrots. I've just got this morbid phobia about carrots. You, well, you've always had that. No, I loved carrots before, oh, I but, okay. but now I don't like that. But I remember when I, when I was really ill, so I came to stay on comfort food and just left me loads of mince and dumplings, good old-fashioned suet dumplings, and I enjoyed that with the gravy. You know, where the dumplings are soggy on the bottom and crispy on the top. Perfect. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's different now. I've still got to, you know... It's made me appreciate more good food, really. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I... But I do eat well, and I'm trying to eat healthier... You know, because it's part of my recovery. Yeah. Or it's part of, you know, making the way I live better. Um, you know, I'm trying to eat more. See, I'm trying to eat more vegetables. Um, so I've, I've started cooking more Indian, South Indian vegetarian recipes and talis. You know, I'll spend a day cooking Indian curries with loads of okra, aubergines and everything. And it's the way for myself I can get the spices and the nutrients in me. Um it's it's been tough, you know, because you're fighting the chemicals that once a fortnight they put in your body. But there's many people like me, you know. Um, yeah. Somebody said to look at chemotherapy like a diabetic would with insulin. It's a necessary evil for the time being, or however long we don't know. Yeah. But I'm here now. I'm out with my best mate, writing books again, eating, talking about food. We're working where we're going to eat tonight, and life's wonderful, Jane. 
Well, it's good to hear you sounding so positive. Um, yeah. Because I don't for one minute think this has been easy for you. And actually, I don't suppose it's been easy for you either, Si, because nobody wants to see their mate going through a hard time. Well, no, it's been heartbreaking. And I think it's a gamut of emotion. It's not just... You can't just pin it on one. You 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 get angry. You get, you know, just because of the situation that you find somebody that you love in. Um, it's anger. It's frustration. It's it's peaks and troughs of 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 great highs and then and then quite quite low moments. Um, but the mo- the 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 most important thing is is that 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 it's a funny thing, love. You know, isn't it? Because the the it's just about it's just about showing it and making sure that 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 you know uh, we're best mates and mm. and we're like brothers and it's like family it's not it's not just it transcends everything else really and it's just about making sure I just want want more right you know and and, and, he, and he will be yeah, know, he's it, doing it, really it well. impacts on the family as well you know it's so difficult for my wife oh, yes, and the family um you know that not knowing that your future is completely turned upside down. Mm. Um, to some extent, you learn to live with it because you, you have to, or else you'd go mad. I mean, that's one reason why I was desperate to get back to work. Yeah, it's it's my normality, mm. and to, to get back to work with Kingy, it's what I've known for twenty odd years now. And, and that's um, important. It's oh, important, it is important. Psych- psych- yeah. psychologically. Yeah, and also important. I think for, for my wife as well, it gave her some freedom away from me. I mean, like in the nicest possible yeah. way, Jane. Yeah. You know, I felt good about being able to, you know, let let her have some time to herself, albeit to go to the gym or a spa, just to have some of her time mm. because it's been so all encompassing. Um, but no, it's. it's uh... I've got to say, you know, it, it, making this the new series go west wasn't wasn't. The... This is out in the new year, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It wasn't. Um, it, 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 it it certainly wasn't easy for for Dave or, or or any of us on the crew, or or you know, it just wasn't easy. Um, and and it, it the, the the effort that Dave put in was gigantuan, and it it was it was remarkable. I was enormously proud of him because it's 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 hard work. Well, just, I bet it is. Mm. I mean, just explain what it is work. you do, because you're riding from Scotland down to Devon. You're back on your bikes. You're back on, my, you're back yeah. on the bikes. Yeah. We're cooking. I mean, they, they shortened the days down, but it was kind of like nine, ten hours, which was like a pretty good working day. Um, but we've done a Christmas special as well, which is very special, very That's important, very special, really. Because yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know what the title is now, we but I think it, at one time it was meant to be the Hairy Biker's Best Ever Christmas. It was a Christmas I didn't think I'd be around to enjoy. So we're cooking for people who have have made it possible for me to be here, from the physios to the nurses. And indeed, what we talked about before, a lot of the ideas in the book have come from the nurses because when you've got chemo, you've got a long time. Yeah. So the nurses come in and chat about food and they're from all over the world. So... And they bring me food in, um, which is it is very kind. So Sometimes special. it's a bit difficult to eat a cheesecake whilst you're having chemo. But, you know, it was a very nice cheat, but I seem to cope quite well, well with it, really. Yeah, right. It's given with a smile, a bit of love. And, uh, and then everybody wants to talk about... You see, we're doing this book on comfort food, myself and Si. Oh, well, we have this in our country and we have that. And the whole thing escalates. Yeah, because, of course, snowballs. our nurses come from all over the place, don't they? Yes, oh, they yeah. 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 Thank goodness. Which, uh, yeah, well, quite. And thank goodness. Yeah. Any thoughts on hospital food? Um, don't get yourself into trouble. No, mine's. I've, I've been very lucky. And in fact, you know, when I haven't been eating, they've come up from the kitchen and said, look, 
can we get anything in? And things like, I said, do you know for, for breakfast, just some toast, peanut butter and jam? Well, they don't do peanut butter, obviously, allergies. Oh, and yeah. it was like, we'll, we'll find you a pot. You know, so so things like that was very kind. People didn't have to do that. No. Um, and, yeah, or things like in, in the canteen for the nurses, they do real chips and rather than just salad. So I would say, I couldn't have, like, chips with me panini. <laughs> just panini. Yeah, all right, Dave. Yeah. So, oh, so you, um, your celebrity status, you see, bought you a certain amount of special treatment, maybe? Nah, nah. No? Just okay. really kind people. Okay, all yeah, right. No, nah, nah, it's, it's, there's a great level of... Been yeah. through this. Oh, nah. listen, I can imagine. Yeah, um, I, I, and I, re- I think you've dealt with it brilliantly from the sound of things. And of course, with the help of your mate here, yeah. which, which is brilliant, and other members of your, your wider circle yeah. and family, I'm sure. So I think a lot of people will be just chuffed that you're around and about to talk about it all, Dave. So Thanks, thank you. Thank, thank you very you. much for coming in. And the book is lovely. It's called Ultimate Comfort Food Risotto Carbonara. I mean, the Italians are not going to be happy with no, that. They're no, they're not. not. <laughs> no, they're no. not. That's exactly what we were saying. <laughs> it's our Frankenstein dish with morph the two together. <laughs> But that's, it's that's really the one good. I think I'll try, though. It's really good. There are no carbs in it, are there? No. Yeah, Lord. No. no. <laughs> no. no Nothing to worry about. Nothing All right. to worry about. Ultimate Comfort Food is the name of that book. And it was really good to, to see Dave and Sai. And as you said, Jane, they are, they're proper pals and they've been through quite a lot together, actually. Uh, and it struck me that Dave was really putting the effort in because he does regard work as a distraction from feeling shit and he's been through so much chemo 39 so 30, 39 rounds he said yeah. and i know there'll be people listening who say yeah I've, I've done that too well i just i mean i really am impressed by the people with the strength to go through that it's so tough isn't it it really is and it's had an impact on the way he thinks about everything of course of course i mean it's natural isn't it thank you very much uh, frankenstein dish was the one they mentioned at the end that's risotto carbonara um, I'm going to say that did look calorific, but by God, I want to eat it, uh, which I suppose is probably the point of the book, isn't it? What are you having for your tea tonight, Jane? Um, probably Chris and wine, Jane. I'm Lovely. going to a party. Does he? Sorry. Ever, ever end. <laughs> You're w- going out too, Garvey. Yes, I am going out, but mine's mainly a work function. Will yours be sitting down and eating? Sitting down eating. Yeah. And I'll I'm have just... one cocktail. Oh. One cocktail. Sure. Learn from an older... Can I say... Less experienced woman, Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Jane. I'll take that. Yeah, no, you should. It's a compliment. Uh, Right, we're back tomorrow. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Jane and Fee at times.radio is the email address. You did it. Elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings, otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We miss the modesty class. <laughs> our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man, it's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week, and you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day, as well as a genuine interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Listener.